You see that person from time to time out on the streets. You may know their name. You may not know their name. But because of your where you go, where you don't go, you just you're an acquaintance. You know them. You don't know their story. You don't know a lot about them. But you know them. But that's it. Just a surface relationship. Hey, how's it going? You know, maybe in the neighborhood. Shame on you if you don't know some of your people in your neighborhood. It's a ministry field for you. But how many of us have surface friendships? We all do. Surface relationships. That's just part of life. But then there are those structured friendships. These are relationships that we may encounter on a regular basis for a season, maybe for a time. You have an opportunity maybe to get to know their name. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, unintentional. You didn't pick the, the class that your kid was going to be in at school. But because of that, you, you see these people on a regular basis. You didn't pick the team. Um, that your child maybe plays on in a, in a community sport, but because of that, you see these parents on and off, and you get to know them maybe, their name. Maybe you have these conversations. Maybe you can go out to eat with them. Or maybe, maybe it's in that structured, maybe it's uh, very intentional, an intentional structured relationship where you've chosen and you've set aside some time to hang out, to get to know them, and there's a mutual respect. There's a, mutu a mutual admiration. There's a purpose for you getting together. But then there are those relationships that are safe and secure. A safe and secure friendship. A relationship that's built on commitment, not necessarily time spent. It's based on trust, not performance. You may see this person every day. You may not see them for years. I've got friends like that. Friends that I haven't seen in years, but I promise you if I were to see them, it would be like, man, we just picked up from where we left off. Because there is, there's a mutual trust, there's a mutual commitment, uh, admiration for each other. There's, the, the relationship has been marked by sacrifice. Somewhere probably in the relationship, there has been a time of difficulty where there was there was a conflict or there was a tension that arose, and all of a sudden in the midst of that, when that person had a, an opportunity to flee and run, instead of running and fleeing, they stood beside you and they were consistent. They might not have liked it, but they were consistent and persistent. Anybody ever had somebody do that to you? Man, you were just being, I got some good words for you, but I'm not going to use them right now. But instead of them running, what they did is they stood with you. They stayed there, and as a result of that, there was a bond that was created. And it was a decision that was made to trust one, one another. This is the person that you know that will be honest with you even when it, when it hurts. They don't tell you what they want to hear. They tell you what you need to, to hear. In the Old Testament, there's, a, there's, there's one relationship that really sticks out like that. It's a relationship between a guy by the name of Jonathan and a young man by the name of David. Turn over the book of 1 Samuel for a second. Let's look and let's see what, what we can pick out of this really quickly this morning. 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 18. There was an immediate bond that took place between Jonathan and, and, and David. One that was marked by love, commitment, and sacrifice. And we find there in in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18 in the Old Testament, verse 1, we see in that, in that first passage where it says that Jonathan loved David. He loved him. In verse 2, it goes on to say, From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. There was a covenant 
there was a pledge that was made to them that they made to each other. Jonathan makes this pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. And there was a, the pact was sealed by the taking off of his robe. Jonathan took his robe off and he gave it to David together with his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Covenants were, were established on a basis of loved. And here's Jonathan saying to David, when he said, I love him as myself, what he was actually saying there, David was saying, I, or Jonathan was saying, I love David as my own soul. Think of the depth of what's being said. I love David as I love my own soul. Jonathan wanted everybody to know how much he cared for David. Jonathan was willing to place his relationship with David above every other earthly relationship that he had, even his family. When Jonathan's saying this, he's going to assume the liabilities. David's going to end up with all the assets. Think about it. Think about what, what, what happens in the midst of this, this time. Here's Jonathan that's going to give David a robe, not just any robe. What kind of robe was it? It was a kingly robe. It was a robe of royalty because Jonathan was next in line to be king. But Jonathan laid aside his position. He laid aside his, his desires because of his love, because of his affections for David. And when David put on the robe, it meant that he was taking on the identity of Jonathan. Now, there's no account that I know of in the scriptures where David turns around and gives Jonathan a robe because if David would have given Jonathan a robe, what kind of robe would he give in Jonathan? Stinky? Smelly? Nasty? Dirty? Robe. So here's Jonathan. He would have assumed the liabilities, whereas David would have assumed the benefits. It's not a fair trade, is it? How many of us going into relationships looking for a fair trade? Listen, I'll give to you as long as you give something to me. One of the things we learned about real, true relationships, deep relationships, this, this relationship where it's, it's, uh, it's safe and secure, the relationships are not always equal, and they're not always fair. Somebody will assume the liabilities. Somebody will reap the benefits. But we don't like that, do we? Man, listen, I'll love you as long as you love me. I'll care for you as long as you care for me. It's not what the Scripture has to say at all. I want you to think about the symbolism for us as believers. When we come to trust Christ, we put on Christ. This is how Paul said it in the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Man, listen, you're not a child of God just because you've worked your way in. You're not a child of the king because you're better, because you're good, because you go to church. But what does he say? You're a child of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, he didn't say here that baptism saves you, but he says all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. You take off the old, you put on the new. Because that's what happens to a believer, a follower of Jesus. Man, I'm not in the old anymore. Now I'm new, and now I'm different. 
Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he says, Throw off the old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That's bondage. That's sin. What does Paul say? He said, put it off. He said, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on the robe. Put on the new nature. Christ gives us a new robe, a new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Romans 6 says, buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in a new life. You're different. That's the symbolism of baptism. It doesn't save you, but it's a symbol of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what it is. And for us, it's not a fair trade. Not a fair trade at all. What did it cost? Jesus' life. That's what it cost. I mean, look at the trade. Sinful nature for new nature, it's a pretty good trade. In addition, in, in, in verse 4 there in, in 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan just didn't give him a robe, but what else did he give him? It says it gave him a tunic, a sword, a bow, and a belt. As a sign, Jonathan was saying, David, your enemies are now my enemies. Those who are against you are now against me. I want you to think in relationship to believers and what Paul had to say. He said, listen, now we've been given the armor of God. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and rulers of this dark world. And now, he says, put on the armor, the full armor of God as a sign for us to be reminded that we are not fighting alone. In reference to relationships like David and Jonathan, they say that a lot of us have acquaintances but not a lot of us have relationships like this. What about you? Do you have a relationship that you're in that's marked by mutual submission, humility, trust, and commitment? They're hard to come by. You know, I've got people like that in my life. Wes, they look at me and say, bless his heart. He just don't know no better. He just, he just don't know. And you know what? They still love me. I can make fun of Leanne and she still loves me. I can get on Dottie's nerves and she still loves me. I can call Mike Tucker and Mike still loves me. It's good to have people in your life like that, isn't it? That even though you falter and even though you fail and even though you're not like what everybody thinks maybe you should be like, that even in those relationships, they still love you. When the Bible talks about these types of friendships, there are several things that come to mind. You can write these down. I'll go through them pretty quickly today. Number one, few friends are true friends. Few friends are true friends. Proverbs 18.24 says this, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. It's better to have one good friend than it is a dozen acquaintances or superficial relationships. You can have lots of acquaintances, yet be all alone, can't you? Be lonely. But a real friend is someone that spends time trying to be interested in you. 
not trying to get you interested in them. See, a friend will call and check on you to see how you're doing when they don't see you. Real friend will pray for you. And maybe you don't even know they're praying for you. A friend is a, a real friend is one who doesn't give up on you when you're walking through a difficult time and you're being a knothead. Number two, a real friend is one who endures. Write that down. A real friend is one who endures. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of needs. Genuine friendship marked by these factors, loyalty, availability, and persistence. Have you ever heard anybody say, I don't need you, I don't need any help? Um, you know, it's so easy to get our feelings hurt, isn't it? But a real friend doesn't walk away in that situation. But what they do is they'll continue to persist and they will continue to endure. A real friend sticks by your side. Third thing, a real friend will speak truth. I said it earlier, This a real friend is somebody who doesn't tell you what you want to hear but what you need to hear they'll speak truth into your life they just don't hit you over the head but they speak truth in love truth without love is meaningless love without truth uh, or truth without love is meanness love without truth is meaningless truth in love is meaningful that's important truth in love is Important. The scripture says, Proverbs 27, 6, the wounds of a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. See, you sometimes think that the one that kisses you on the cheek and that always is smiling to your face is a true friend. May not be that way. True friend, what does it say? <laughs> the wounds of a friend can be trusted. I didn't make that up. Enemies can sugarcoat it, and all the time, there's another agenda. But a real friend, they'll speak the truth to you. Fourth, a, a friend will refresh us. Friends refresh us, Proverbs 27, 9. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. True friendship refreshes the soul. There are those people that you love to hang out with, and after spending time with them, you feel so much better. You with me? Then there are those people that you hang out with them and spending time with them, and you feel like you've been through the washing machine by the time it's all over with. Somebody asked me the other day, they were, it's been a while back, <clears throat> they made the comment, they said, I, I, don't, I don't understand why they want to talk to me. I, I don't understand why they want to, they want, they want, they're coming to me for counsel. It doesn't make any sense why they're coming to me. I have no training. I, I, have, I have no specific classes that I've taken at all to do counsel, but here they are coming to me 
for counsel. Why are they coming to me for counsel? I'm not a qualified counselor. And I said, yes, you are. And they said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. They said, no, I'm not. And I said, yes, you are. And they said, what qualifies me as a counselor? And I said, the fact that they called you and they know that you care, they're going to listen to what you say to them. We like speaking there, you understand? See, we love to talk to people that we know that care. The counsel is sweet, is perfume. When we think about relationships, I want you to think about yourself. Let me just ask the question, or let me just make the statement. You're either adding value to others, or you're dragging them down. What kind of deposits are you making in your earthly relationships? What kind of deposits are you investing, are you making in your relationship with your heavenly Father who so much desires to be your friend? There are those that walk in the room and when you see them, they drain you. There are others that you can't wait to talk to them. Because you know that what they say, that they're going to add some value. They're going to encourage you in your life. Anybody ever got a phone call and you saw who it was and you put it down? <laughs> Anybody ever been in the, in the middle of an important meeting and you got a phone call and you saw who it was and you go, excuse me, I need, I need to take this. I hope that's with your spouse. <laughs> I don't think anybody consciously wakes up in the morning and says, I just want to be a drain on somebody today. <laughs> but then there are some. Fifth thing, you can write this down. The Bible says that a friend sharpens one another. They make each other better. There's some songs been written about that, right? Batman and Robin and Tonto and whoever and yeah. peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> you know. Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. How many of us would love to have somebody in our lives that we could count on, that we knew that would, regardless of what took place, they'd stick around, they would walk with us through the tough times? Or somebody that loved us enough to be able to tell us the truth when we were acting like an idiot? How many of us wish that we had somebody in our life that was a friend that was unconditional, who cared for you? Their care for you wasn't based on what you did for them, but they cared for you in spite of. How many of us wish we had somebody in our life like that? John Maxwell, in one of his books, made a statement in reference to friendship, and this is what he said. He said, you attract who you are, not what you want to be. Covenant friendships or relationships, these relationships that we're talking about that goes deeper than the surface, but there's a safe and secure relationship, a covenant relationship, said they don't just happen. 
because you find the right person, but they happen because you choose to be the right person. Boy, that speaks, doesn't it? We need to take that home and really sit down and, and think about it. You, some of you here today are lonely and you're unhappy and you're frustrated and you're waiting for somebody to come into your world and make your world different. Man, you're, you're waiting for the, for the person to be able to come in and just change your life because they're a good friend. To make you feel needed, to make you feel happy, to make your day. But I hate to tell you, but this is what the psalmist wrote. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. And let me add, not from other people. Joy comes from the Lord, not from other people. But man, what a great, awesome feeling it is when you've got some other people that are around you that add to that happiness. Developing great relationships require energy. They require time. And you can say the gardening principle. All relationships need cultivation. Cultivation. And I don't know if any, how many of you garden these days, but let me tell you what. Anytime you plant a garden, it takes time, and it takes effort, and it takes energy, and it takes, man, it takes a lot of get with it. I don't like pulling weeds, but you got to do it. I don't necessarily like plowing the ground, but you got to do it. I don't necessarily like planting seeds, but you got to do it. But you know what I do like? I like the harvest. And you know what happens when you cultivate and you build into and you pour into what you end up with somewhere along the line, you end up with a harvest and it's sweet. It's sweet. Let me wrap up by two, th two things I want you to remember. Two things today that I think are really important. Number one, God wants you to have friendships with other people. God wants you to have friendships with other people. People. He designed us not to be alone, not to be in isolation, but to be in community. That's what he designed us to be. Adam, God said it wasn't good for to be alone. So God brings along Eve. Living in isolation is not only a lonely place, but it is a dangerous place. A dangerous place. I'd heard a story of a senior adult man who had lost his wife. They'd been married for 60 years. He was 90 years old. He lost his wife. His children had gathered with him <clears throat> at the house, and they said, Dad, we need to really talk about what's next because you're at the place you're not, you're not really capable of taking care of yourself. And uh, they came to the conclusion and the agreement that he needed to move into a, an assisted living facility. And it was going to be really hard, very difficult. There was one not far down the road that was going to be opening up. It was a, a new facility, and <clears throat> they visited it. And uh, the father said, I only have one request. He said, I want to be the first person to move in this facility. They said, Dad, that's a, that's a little odd. Why? He said, because I'm anxious and I'm fearful, I'm afraid. And he said, I just, there's just 
It's just going to be different. And you know what? I bet you there's going to be some people just like me that's going to be coming in. And I want to be the first one at the door to greet them, to tell them, I want to be your friend. I want to be there for you. Friendship isn't about people coming to us, but it's about us going to them. Sometimes we wonder why we don't have friends. We ought to be the first ones at the door. We ought to be the first ones making a phone call. We ought to be the first ones as believers as extending ourselves, going the extra mile. As we grow in our faith, hopefully that's where you are. I understand the different personalities, and I understand that God's... You know, in, in our own relationship, shouldn't we be creating space for people? I mean, there's the where we think things should be and how people should act, and then there's the reality of where things are, and in between those two places, there's some space. And in that space, shouldn't we consider to believe and think and hold on to that which is best? Yeah. I mean, Alan has to do that with me. I mean, Alan said, well, here, this is what Sid should act like. This is what Sid's doing. And, man, there's some space in there. So either he's going to choose to believe the worst or he's going to say, bless his heart. <laughs> bless his heart. Choose to believe the best. I'm going to give him some space. God wants us to have friendships, and he wants us to have relationships with other people. But the second thing is God wants us to have a relationship with Him. <laughs> Isn't that overwhelming that our Heavenly Father would want to have a relationship with us? Breathtaking. Acts 17, 27. Here's Paul in Athens. He's given a testimony on behalf of the Lord. His relationship, talking about his relationship with Abraham, his relationship with the nation of Israel. And then he comes back and Paul says this. He says, this purpose was for the nations to seek after God and to perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he was not far from any of us, any one of us. 1 John 4, 10 says this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Man, God doesn't wait on us to come to Him. He loved us first. He gives us space. And yet He's gone to every extent to demonstrate His love. We just have to respond. I mean, here's, I can see the picture. Here's Jesus with his hand extended saying, Hey, man, I want to be your friend. And yet how often does that happen? Here's God extending himself, desiring to have a relationship with us, and yet it's not about the religion. It's about the relationship. Love does an unbelievable job when you allow it. When we allow love, when we receive love, we have the capacity to be able to give love. So I don't know how your relationships are today, but I promise you this, 
there's something you can take away from what the Scripture has to say. God wants to be our friend. Do you have a relationship with him? And just in closing, here's the thought. How is your relationship with God? Surface? You know him in passing. Hey, God. <laughs> See you next week, same time. Is it structured? Is it intentional? Is it unintentional? Or is it safe and secure? Commitment. Trust. Sacrifice. Would you bow your heads with me? At the core of our conversation today, Father, we have talked about friendships. And this is what I know in this family, in this group of people, we wrestle from time to time with relationships because we are broken. And so many times we live in the flesh. Yet what we've heard today are some things that we can pull from Scripture that are so helpful. That the best friend isn't one that's waiting on somebody, but the one that extends himself just like you extended yourself. We can learn a lot, Father, as we, as we look at the story of Jonathan and David, where Jonathan assumed the, assumed the liabilities and, and, and David was the one that reaped the benefits. And yet the same symbol in the picture is what we see in our relationship with you, that you assumed the liabilities of our sin, and they were placed upon your shoulders, and you were crucified 2,000 years ago. And yet how many of us continue to turn away and walk away? I'm praying for us today that are in this room in reference to our earthly relationships that we would extend ourselves that we would learn from your example and the example of Jonathan and David and we would extend ourselves not because we have to but because we get to because there are others out there that are wrestling and just as we need space they need space help us to to examine our hearts to find out what we need to do with that but Lord there also may be other people here today that 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 uh, don't have a relationship with you. They may have come from a background where they've been hurt and they've been wronged or they've been bruised. And Father, they struggle with trusting not only anybody on this earth that they see, they struggle in trusting a God that they can't see. Only the Holy Spirit can break through that today. And so Father, even this morning, as our overseers come, there may be somebody to hear this morning that for the first time that is at that place of saying, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but today I want to have a relationship with Jesus. My life is a mess. And as our overseers are coming, they're going to be standing down here in just a moment as we finish up there's going to be an opportunity for you to come and you may be here today and saying my life is a mess I am broken I am I am I am a sinner but today I want to put on Jesus I want to trust Jesus
I'm at that place in my life where I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to trust him. I want to extend myself. I want to put myself out there. And I want to say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. Would you save me? I believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. Father, would you save me? Would you rescue me from my sin and my brokenness? Would you, would you come into my life today? And if that's you, you don't have to wait for us to pray. You can come right now and just grab the hand of one of these men and say, would you help me today? Help me to come to know Jesus. Help me to trust Jesus. Maybe you're here today and, and you've realized something about a friendship and, and maybe you need to come and maybe you need to kneel or maybe you need to talk to one of the, the overseers and say, listen, today, man, I've realized I've just been waiting on people to come to me. I want to extend myself. I want to put myself out there. I want to be... I want to be the man of God that, or the woman of God that, I've, that you've called me to be. I want to extend myself and my friendship to others. I don't want to be the person in the room that everybody goes, oh, my goodness gracious. I want to be able to walk into a place and people want to spend time because I've ex expended time with them because I care. This is important for us, Father, to hear because your word speaks life into us. They don't, it doesn't kill us or destroy us, but it, it lifts us up and encourages us. And so today, as we close out our time, if there's someone here that, that's at that place, and they're saying, man, I need to take a step and I need to move in my relationships with others or even in my relationship with you, God, would they move today? Would they move? Thank you, Father, for hearing us, for speaking this into our lives because we need it. If we're going to be the church and the family that God wants us to be, this is important. Thank you, Father, for you spending time in this place with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you move... I want to remind you that our overseers are here. Um, I wonder who you're going to extend yourself to this next week. Who will you have an opportunity to encourage? But most important, think about your relationship with God. That he stands waiting to shake your hand, to greet you at the door. And either you'll walk away or you'll do like old Jim Cohn does. We'll get up and, man, we'll just embrace and give a big old bear hug because we need that. Our true joy doesn't come in the amount of friends that we have or the friend that we have, but our true joy comes from Jesus. Go make a difference in this community. Man, I pray the papers even pick up on some stuff and say, you're not going to believe what's happening down there at Heritage because there's some people that have gone crazy. They're extending themselves. These guys are different than everybody else because they understand their true identity. They're a child of God. Yeah. They're priests. Direct access to the Father. Mm. Servant. Bride of Christ. They're awaiting His return. And they must know Jesus because they talk about him all the time.
I can tell who your friends are. You know how? Because Bill mentions my name all the time, right, Bill? <laughs> Go talk about Jesus this week. <laughs>